You're listening to a podcast from Blogging Heads TV. Hi, welcome to Culturally Determined on Blogging Heads TV. I'm your host, Arya Cohen-Wade, and my guest today is Will Summer. Uh, Will, could you introduce yourself? Hi, yeah, Will Summer. I'm a tech reporter with Daily Beast. Uh, thanks so much for coming on today. So I, in addition to tech, you also cover... Uh, conservative media and the far right or the alt right or how yeah, do you that, describe that part of your beat? That's kind of my like weird niche is sort of like right wing media and conspiracy theories and right uh, right wing internet in general. Right. So um. So how did you how did you end up covering this particular niche? What what attracted you to this beat? Sure. Um, yeah. So I come from a pretty conservative background in Texas, and you know, so I, I grew up kind of like with a with a taste for like Rush Limbaugh and Fox News and all that stuff. And, uh, and then, you know, I, you know, went to college, whatever, but I still kept following, uh, these various characters and really like the number of characters has only, has only proliferated. Uh, and so I, I was, uh, you know, I, I was kind of bugging my girlfriend about all the, the antics, the likes of Milo Yiannopoulos would get up to. And she said, well, why don't you start a newsletter and stop bugging me about it? And so I started, uh, Wright Richter in, uh, 2016 and, and Wright Richter will soon be coming back. Uh, so that's my weekly newsletter on, uh, conservative media. Okay, so did you have a political transformation yourself, but were still maintained an interest, or how would you describe yourself? Yeah, yeah exactly. I mean, like I, you know, I was no longer a kind of diehard Republican, but uh, but these guys are like, you know, they're, they're, I'm very interested in kind of the ideas and the the fractiousness, and there's a lot of like factions that can develop and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, why don't we start with a, a recent story you've been covering in which you yourself played a minor role, and that's the Roe versus Wade movie being filmed in Washington D.C. And can you talk yes. about that and what how you became a part of the story? Yeah, so this is an interesting, um, a very interesting movie that's that's kind of like shaping up to be you know one of these kind of classics of conservative cinema alongside like the works of Dinesh D'Souza. Uh, basically, the, this movie is being funded by the ex fiance of Sofia Vergara, who's like currently embroiled in a battle over their embryos, which are frozen, and so he's decided to make this like pro life movie with like kind of like a weird. It seems like a commentary on his current legal troubles. So. You know, this movie is like a who's who of conservative actors, and um, you know, you've got uh, well, well, actually, you know, it was Kevin Sorbo and Stephen Baldwin were initially attached to the project. They've dropped out because apparently the script is very gruesome. Uh, the Daily Beast, Marlo Stern, has done a lot of reporting on how many people have been quitting the set, both in the cast and crew, uh, because it's just seen as like a very like macabre movie in terms of showing like buckets of fetuses and stuff like that. Um, you know, figures like Roger Stone and Milo Yiannopoulos and Tommy Lauren have cameos in it. So there's been a lot of kind of like drama around the set. And so they were filming in D.C. And I was curious, you know, whether this would draw protests or, you know, how it would go. And um, so I was sitting, you know, uh, they, they were filming a segment at the Lincoln Memorial. And I was sitting uh, with some tourists. You know, I was not in the shot or anything. No one told me to move. And then basically this intern came over and stole my notebook and started running away. And, you know, if, you know, this is a, I'd say, you know, I kind of ran up to him. I was like, Hey, you know, let's get the police here. You know, like we, we can sort this out. And this guy's just, you know, acting like I'm just like harassing. He's like, leave me alone, sir. And he kind of like tries to hide my notes in his pants or his bag. And eventually the police come and they, um, they, they give me back my notes. They have to search this guy. And, uh, but now, you know, it was sort of like, uh, I, I did not intend to get drawn in, but it, it's kind of the latest uh, mishap for this production. Do you think this is like, so this is like a kind of a young, a younger person who did this. Yeah, I should say, I should say, you know, intern. And this guy had like pretty hefty guy. You know, I'm not okay. like facing off with. Uh, but they released this <laughs> audio of me, like seven seconds of me, kind of like 
saying like, Hey, give me back my notes, maybe swearing a little. Uh, but you know, the, it, eventually, uh, I did get them back, but it, but it's kind of become a whole thing now. Uh, they're, they've kind of been on this misinformation campaign, but you know, I, I was just, you know, I was just there to, to see something, see what happened. And, uh, you know, certainly I got more than I bargained for. Yeah. Do you think this is related to like the, like Trump's fake news thing of you know, making, I mean, the right are already considered, uh, journalists in the media to be like one of their enemies, but now it's like, you know, Trump is saying they're, the, he said something like they're the enemy of the people or undermining. Yeah, I, mean, I think there's a sense that you can kind of like get away with more, um, as far as like harassing journalists or, you know, stopping someone from doing their job. Uh, you know, certainly there was a lot of like the crew was very thrilled that they had put this intern up to it. Very, very brave move on their part. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, like, you know, they, they kind of went on this media tour with various right wing websites, you know, sort of painting their version, which is completely inaccurate, but, um, you know, I, I think we will we will see when the movie comes out. You know whether uh, whether all these hijinks were worth it, <laughs> right? And you you also interviewed is it Corbin Burnson? Yeah, Corbin Burnson, who apparently is famous from L.A. Law. He was on Psych and Major League, um, and you know he he apologized. You know he he felt bad about the whole situation. Um, you know, very ni- nice guy. I, I will say that kind of the nicest person I dealt with on a otherwise very hectic day. <laughs> Um, and so, you know, this guy, you know, he, you know, he, he kind of did, obviously had kind of gotten caught up in these shenanigans as well. And, uh, there was this whole, like, they were like, you know, they felt bad and they were like, okay, well, do you want to interview Corbin Burnson? And I was like, I, I guess, I mean, that, that, nice fellow. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, a lot of these actors have kind of found themselves, like he was complaining about the script. He said he's asked for changes. This, they kind of thought they were signing on for kind of a blandly pro-life movie. And it's turned out to be like, you know, this kind of like nightmarish, like, uh, you know, illegal abortion movie. Okay. Well, hitting theater soon, possibly it will, yeah. will it have an actual release. You think? Uh, you know, that's a good question. I mean, I, I could see it doing some, you know, kind of like Bible Belt theaters, or, uh, it could also probably just go on demand. Uh, we'll see. I mean, the, um, you know, I'm, I'm concerned, you know, maybe they'll make a character named after me, like a real scumbag or something. <laughs> um, okay, let's shift to really the main reason I want to talk about, talk to you, which is this, uh, online phenomenon that is really interesting and it's called QAnon, or is that how you pronounce it? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so QAnon, Maybe people who don't follow, don't kind of pay attention to what's bubbling up on the right have heard a little bit about this, or maybe they haven't heard anything about it at all. But it's it's starting. It's a conspiracy theory that's starting to move from the fringes towards the mainstream and people doing things in real life because of, because of it. So for someone who's never heard of QAnon before, how would you describe this phenomenon? Yeah. So I mean, you know, this is sort of a high context. You know, bear with me here. We're going to go down the rabbit hole, but. It, uh, you know, it, it, it is, as you say, having weird effects in the real world. So in late October, an anonymous person started leaving these weird clues on 4chan that would say things like, you know, Hillary Clinton, Guantanamo Bay, what does this mean? Operation Mockingbird, like all, 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 all these cryptic things. And so this person has been dubbed Q, which the idea is that these are clues coming from deep within the Trump administration by some leaker. And so they've built this kind of counter narrative where everything is going awesome for Trump. And basically like the military asked him to run for president to destroy this like Pizzagate cabal, uh, featuring like Hillary Clinton and John Podesta and basically anyone Republicans don't like. Um, and so the idea is now that, that Q is kind of like telling us what's really going on. And so like, you know, don't worry about Mueller because really Mueller is working with Trump to take down Hillary Clinton and stuff like that. 
Um, and, and a lot of this actually plays into the Russia stuff in terms of like, uh, obviously the press conference we saw today, it was so crazy. Uh, but, but the idea is that Putin is helping Trump take down this cabal and stuff like this, or that like the deep state has like kidnapped the Kim dynasty in North Korea and they're really good guys too. And, uh, I mean, it's this whole thing. And so the way it's playing out in real life is like in April, there was this big QAnon march. It was like 200 people in downtown DC, just like chanting their bizarre QAnon slogans. Um, people are wearing Q shirts to rallies and that always gets like a lot of play. Um, and then mo- most concerningly, this guy with like an armored truck shut down traffic near the Hoover Dam. He had all these guns. Unfortunately, like, you know, no one was hurt, but he was holding up kind of like QAnon signs. Right. So it's, yeah, it is down the rabbit hole and it's really weird. So I have, there's some things <laughs> I want to explicate and some things I myself don't understand about this. So, okay. So they, so the theory is kind of like, there's like a secret, yeah, cabal of like child sex traffickers. Include so it's kind of an outgrowth of the PizzaGate thing, which mm-hmm. people maybe remember was like a weird conspiracy theory that like emails that John Podesta was sending, which he referred to like his staff picking up a pizza that 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 was really code for like picking up you know like a child for uh, sex ex- exploitation, and then uh, it broke into the real world when a guy with a gun went to investigate the uh this one particular pizza parlor in Washington DC and like shot out the windows and he thought there were uh children being held in the basement but there actually wasn't even a basement of this building. So it's it's like you know, really this is like wacko stuff. Um and then Q is like I don't know, it's 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 somewhere between like an alternate alternative reality game, like if you remember those from like the the <laughs> mid aughts, like, you know, he's encouraging people to connect the dots and like figure it out. But yeah, the whole, the, the overarching theme is that like, if you think if, if something seems to be going bad for Trump in the news, really that's just like a ploy and things are secretly going well for Trump in the news for Trump behind the scenes. And like every, like everything is okay. And like the good guys are on the case. Wait, is that all accurate? Yeah, exactly. I mean, it, 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 it's sort of like, don't worry about it. I mean, this is actually why the QAnon people get a lot of backlash from other people and look at kind of the right wing conspiracy movement. Because if you believe this, then it's sort of like, okay, like Trump has teamed up with the military and it's all cool. Like, don't worry about it. You know, and then the idea that it kind of makes these people very like complacent because they're like, well, you know, this is all going on like so high above my head. Like I can't possibly understand what anything means. Um, and yeah, I mean, but, but it, you know, it pits people in this sort of, it's this, like, like Pizzagate, it's this kind of like life or death and for many people like a kind of religious struggle because essentially it means Trump is sort of arraigned against like literally like pure evil. And like, I mean, this gets into like when you get real deep into QAnon stuff, like a lot of QAnon p- people believe that like, um, like Hillary Clinton's like eating kids or she's like draining their like spinal fluid to stay alive and all this crazy stuff. But this, and this is kind of like several, you know, this is kind of like, uh, like in Scientology, you know, once you get to a certain level, they tell you the really crazy stuff. And so, so it's kind of like that. It's like, it's like, don't tell the normies. Like, we're trying to red pill them. But, uh, but this is increasingly. I mean, there's like, um, there's like QAnon billboards all around the country. I mean, it is weird stuff. Just in the, at the Trump Putin summit, someone was holding up a QAnon sign uh, outside, and they were like, Finland loves QAnon. So um, it's really crazy. Yeah, and part of like that, like the good guys are in charge. I mean, a lot of conspiracy theories. It seems to me like the psychological core behind believing a conspiracy theory is that. You know, like the world is chaotic, but it's more, it feels better to think that there's really people in control, even if they're sinister. Like, you know, Bush really did 9-11, not like this ragtag band of 20 guys did it. Like, 
Yeah, the, it, the real people behind the scenes and they're in control and the world is not random and chaotic. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there's a real sense of like, um, like I, I think people come to QAnon for like different reasons. And so, um, there, this one popular QAnon video that's been promoted by Kurt Schilling, uh, former, uh, pitching great. Um, he, he blocks me on Twitter. Yeah, it's unbelievable. <laughs> I, I made fun of him for, for ha- I insulted him for having, um, Lou Gehrig as his, as yeah. his, uh, you know, Twitter handle. And I said that was an insult to a great American and he left me. So this, this video sort of lays out, like, it literally is like, what if, like, war is like everything wrong in the world is being caused by this cabal? It's like, and it's like, you know, there, there's no reason that people would go to war if not, if they weren't like having their strings pulled. And, and, and I should say also like plenty of QAnon is sort of like coded anti-Semitism, right? There's like a lot of like George Soros and like bankers. Um, and so, you know, it, it ends up being like when I went to this QAnon march, people were saying, you know, like, well, my son has autism. And I think that's, you know, sometimes it's people with like vaccine people, like vaccine truthers, or like someone was saying like, you know, this is really insane. I saw this on the QAnon subreddit and someone was like, you know, I have cancer, but like, I know the cabal is hiding the cure for cancer. So like, you know, fingers crossed. So, uh-huh. uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's all like, it, it, it kind of just kind of sucks in a lot of like disaffected people and also just like tons of Trump supporters. Yeah. It's kind of, it's, it's like an over It's more than like the standard conspiracy theories of like, you know, the aliens really landed or, you know, the moon landing was fake. It's like all encompassing and seems to explain everything. So here's something I, I don't understand. Since, so, so Q started on 4chan and then I think you said he moved to 8chan at some point, which is just, which is like. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, so, so Q moved to 8chan and now there's like, there's lots of like, you know, kind of back and forth about like what's a real Q post and people are like, oh, it's been compromised by the deep state. You that's know, what, okay, that's my essential question. What, how, so it's all anonymous on both of those sites. How can anyone just not imitate Q's style and do a new Q post? And does that happen? Sure. So, so, so there's a thing called, like, uh, on both sides, there's something called a trip code. And it's sort of like, almost like a password you enter and then you, you kind of like claim a screen name. And so basically, like, as long as you know, like, the idea being that, like, you can claim a screen name on these sites. And so as long as you enter this code, then you have to have that code in order to, like, post under that screen name. The problem is, basically, people figure out what the code is. And then they like go crazy. And there's a lot of like, um, as you might imagine, a lot of accusations about like, you know, who's kind of ripping off who here. Like there's various YouTubers who have been accused of being QAnon and, and they're like selling QAnon shirts and all this. But it, I mean, it, it really is like, there's not like a very like compelling, th- certainly I enjoy watching these videos of people being like, look, he's Q. Like, you know, these are like, these are like 24 seven live streams. These people are like losing their minds and they're like, you know, he's, um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, really, like, I, I've seen no compelling evidence about who is or is not Q. There's a lot of like, oh, it's Dan Scavino. It's, um, you know, maybe it's Michael Flynn. I mean, like, there, there's no real evidence. Or Trump, Trump himself, some people have speculated. Yeah, right? exactly. I mean, it is truly bizarre watching. There have been a couple times where Trump has encountered QAnon people at rallies or, or at the Trump Hotel. And these people just start yelling, like, we love Q at him. And it's like, what is he thinking? Like, you know, it's like his brain's melting. Like, what does this mean? Yeah, yeah, it, it, it boggles the mind. Um, so do you, where do you see, do you have any predictions of where the QAnon thing is gonna go? Like, is it just gonna keep on building? Because it's almost like they keep on expecting some catharsis to happen of like, um, you know, the good guys to reveal themselves and like, Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama and John Podesta to be thrown in Guantanamo Bay. <laughs> like, right. this, that's I mean, never gonna happen. So like, where, do you see this like petering out or what? 
I mean, I, I think they're just going to keep coming up with, you know, I, I think eventually it'll like, obviously it's going to fizzle eventually. But at the same time, like, you know, let's say Trump loses the next election or, you know, I mean, unlikely, but if Trump gets impeached or something like that, then you've got like so much more fuel for like this idea of a deep state conspiracy. Um, and really, it, it, despite being like really complicated, I mean, how long has it taken us to like <laughs> explain it? Like, it, it's, it's growing increasingly popular just on the, the regular right. I mean, Sean Hannity has tweeted a QAnon hashtag. Um, the, like, kind of various people, and, and this is all kind of getting further embedded. Um, you know, Charlie Kirk at Talking Points USA, or Turning Points USA, was, was kind of, you know, quoting, like, QAnon statistics. There's a lot of kind of, like, crypto QAnon where people, like, are basically saying it, but they aren't saying this is from QAnon. So. Yeah, I, I guess the other thing that's interesting about this is, like, the collaborative nature of it, that it's, you know, the internet enables people to work together, so it's, it's like a, it's like the Wikipedia of, demented conspiracy theories of uh, all these people or like, or like the, you know, when, uh, when serial, the podcast came out and people on Reddit were like, like doing their own investigation of the case, um, you know, working collaboratively. So it's, this is, you know, this isn't, this is something that couldn't have existed uh, 15 years ago. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it, it is also, I think people in general just like really like the, being in the QAnon community. I mean, at this point we are 12 days from the last QAnon post, but like, there's still so much like activity and people just like, you know, there, there are all these stories that are like, I, you know, I gave my name at the restaurant as Q and everyone cheered. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Or like, or like told, told the barista at, at Starbucks that, you know. Yeah. Right. Q. And they're like, ah, like. <laughs> oh, so the, the last question I had about this, is this, is this conspiracy theory uniquely attractive to older people or is that a misunderstanding? Yeah, so, so this is an interesting one. I, I, I do think there is, I think that's like a certain lack of like internet literacy is going on here because like I think people don't understand how easy it is to just post on 4chan. And so you have this weird collision between like 4chan and 8chan culture, which trends younger, but like the people who are into this are old. And so like there's a lot of like, like I was hanging out in this like chat room for QAnon people and it was all these old people. It was like a voice chat and it was all these old people saying like, how do I make a meme? <laughs> <laughs> and they're just like, I really want to like red pill my friends. Um, but then, yeah, I mean like a lot of like more like your alt-right types and like kind of your younger people on the far right are like very dismissive of QAnon people. And they're like, you know, these dumb boomers, all this stuff. So, yeah. Okay. Well, I guess this bears continue, continued surveillance to figure out what's going to happen next. Honestly, every time I think it's going away, like it comes back bigger. Um, uh, you wrote something about um, Seth Rich. And Seth and his family, and the release of the um, indictments by Mueller last week. Um, can you? So maybe I, this people probably remember this name. Can you kind of just briefly recap the story that happened with uh, this unfortunate person and how that got wrapped into national politics? Sure. Yeah. So in um, in then like the summer of 2016, Seth Rich, a young DNC staffer. Uh, was murdered in the early morning and, uh, you know, it was basically like police think it was a botched robbery. No one's been arrested for it. But a couple weeks later, WikiLeaks starts publishing Democratic emails and then Republicans sort of like initially they say, oh, like a Hillary Clinton death squad murdered him. This kind of bubbles up on Reddit and fake news sites. And then eventually it becomes, you know, Fox News reports on some very like sketchily sourced claims. And the reason this is appealing because it would mean that WikiLeaks got the emails from not only would it mean that Hillary Clinton had someone murdered, but it would mean that WikiLeaks got the emails from a DNC staffer, and thus the Russian hackers aren't involved at all, so there's no collusion. Um, 
on the other hand, like this is extremely fake. There's no evidence of this. Um, and yet like a lot of various hucksters have latched onto it, uh, and kind of tried to, tried to make a buck off it. And now like the, the rich family, various members of it are, are suing these, these various people. Um, Jack Berkman, this lobbyist in DC, who's kind of like tried to keep his name in the papers because of this, had a press conference. He claimed he had like a deep state source. It was just like a random guy on a speakerphone last week. Um, and so now these indictments would kind of, suggest that they'd be the last nail in the coffin of that uh, story. But unfortunately that's unlikely to happen. Yeah. So one of the, so Sean Hannity is beyond just the standard level, like low level C list <laughs> conservative huckster is like what, like Sean Hannity did like at least one episode of a show about this. Oh, but he, then maybe his he, lawyers he told him to stop talking about it or something. Yeah. Yeah. So Seth Ridge, like Pizzagate is kind of like one of these has become one of these like third rails where like concern, like people on Fox News can't really talk about it anymore. And so like Newt Gingrich, for example, is a big uh, Seth Rich guy as well. And so, yeah, so Hannity did this. He got a bunch of advertiser boycotts. Uh, the Rich family kind of denounced him. And I mean, it, it, it's just like a really insane situation in terms of like, obviously, they've already suffered this tragedy of having their son murdered. And now they're getting all these people just constantly coming back. And then they're like, well, you know, the riches are part of the deep state cover up and all this. Yeah, it's it's bizarre. I mean, it, so a lot of the things that people do in this area seems like live action role playing or something or, or playing a video game on your computer. But then you have this actual human who was murdered, uh, you know, 99.9% just in a <laughs> like a street killing. Um, and then you have the Internet wackos going saying, I guess it, what's what's the I mean, extra strange twist to it is like the. um the internet wackos think that he's like a secret hero because he released the damaging emails and they want to like venerate him, um, as you know, like a hero and a martyr. And then his family is, (laughs) does not accept this bizarre interpretation of, of events. So it's, yeah, another, (laughs) I don't know what else to say about this. It's fun. Yeah. I mean, exactly. Like there's all like people wearing like Seth Rich shirts. There's like on the Trump subreddit, there's a lot of like, his name was Seth Rich, you know, remember Seth Rich, stuff like that. Um, okay, so, yeah, so the Mueller, so the Mueller indictments came out, they seem to imply, they seem to indicate that the best evidence is that, uh, the Russians hacked the server and gave the information to WikiLeaks, uh, possible last nail in the coffin, but then these things like, once you're, like, into the conspiracy theory, like, any piece of evidence that contradicts you is just, like, can only, like, bolster your original ideas, like, like, you've gone beyond the, the land of, like logical, logical inference and, and reason. It's just like, well, this is clearly just the deep state, you know, faking it again. And this proves even stronger that blah, blah, blah. So, yeah, I mean, these people have already been primed to not believe anything coming out of the Mueller investigation. So, you know, I mean, th- th- that really won't prove anything. Um, do you have any thoughts on Ben Garrison? <laughs> yeah, I have lots of thoughts on Ben Garrison. <laughs> so who is this? So for people who aren't on Twitter, uh, who is Ben Garrison? Sure. So Ben Garrison is kind of like the leading uh, political cartoonist of the Trump era. Uh, he writes these, he, he does these like in- incredibly bizarre cartoons in which Trump is kind of portrayed as this like really like ripped, like Adonis type. And then he and like various people are on the right are battling all, all these villains, you know, campus SJWs and so on. And another like classic Ben Garrison thing is like over labeling. And so, like, every person, you know, he'll be, like, nutty SJWs. And, like, he, I mean, he looks like the, the political cartoonist from The Onion, basically. Is how his, <laughs> I've had that thought, too. Yeah. Um, uh, he, he, had one, he had one this week to honor Trump's visit to England where uh, Trump meets, I think, Aragorn from Lord of the Rings. Oh, yes, and, I can see that. 
and and he says like you bow to no one, my friend. And then like all like the Tolkien characters are like yeah, which which you know <laughs> begs the question: Does does <laughs> does Ben Garrison does Ben Garrison think that like Middle Earth is real and took place in England? <laughs> and that's yeah, why like, that was a thought process. <laughs> um, yeah, but he's he's a fascinating guy. I mean, the and also like his background is like he was kind of a standard like conservative political cartoonist, and then one of his memes was edited by an alt right type person to add like a classic uh, anti Semitic caricature into it, and then he started like fighting with these people, but then he kind of like decided like I might as well join <laughs> join them instead of fight them. Is that right? Yeah, he kind of came to an accommodation with like your like like he's he's very into like Pepe now, and so like, like he was initially like horrified that people were doing this, and then he's like, well, you know, maybe I can like make some, you know, so so also making make stuff about like globalist elites. Yeah, I guess he saw you know he saw a market niche to to exploit. Is he is his are his things actually published in any actual publication, or does he just do them online? I got it. I don't think they're in any newspapers, but I really wouldn't like be surprised if uh, you know, you know, some rural papers or something. Yeah, he must sell like merchandise and prints and stuff. Oh yeah, yeah, he's got books. Yeah, Roger Stone was out promoting the books. Right, right. Oh, well, that's where he's wearing the giant cowboy hat. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, yeah, so uh, so if anyone has never heard of Ben Garrison, just Google his name and you'll see some of his uh, some of his work and how uh, unique and um, I mean it's it's really remarkable. It Every new one that comes out, I'm like, oh, you got to dive in, you know. Especially like you'll have these kind of like. Like Hieronymus Bosch tableaus, like it'll be like Campus Madness, and it's like Mike Cernovich is like battling Antifa and all this stuff. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, it, it, they're deep. They're deep texts. Um, okay, so here's uh, here's a, a slightly different question. Um, you know, there's been a lot of uh, debate on the left about how to handle like the resurgent, like alt right or whatever you want to call them, and one of the ways is like. Um, you know, kind of like a direct action or like meeting them in the streets. And uh, most famously, Richard Spencer got punched in the face um, by a like hooded figure in, on Inauguration Day. And that launched a big debate whether you should be like punching white supremacist, you know, Nazis or not. How do people on the right view like the, this kind of opposition? Like if, if they view Richard Spencer getting punched as like good for Richard Spencer, bad for Richard Spencer. Yeah, I mean, certainly, I, I, I think. It's, 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 so I think there's kind of two two sides, right? I mean, there's like what they say, which is like, oh, like we love that, like yo, come on, like yeah, it's, let's make Antifa look like just out of out of their minds. On the other hand, I do think like the punch, you know, certainly I think diminished Richard Spencer's position on, in the in the alt right. Like, you know, it, the whole idea is it's based on like strength and stuff, and then some like kind of scrawny guy like pops him in the face and kind of looks like he's crying or whatever. Um, you know, I I think the like they're prone in general, like you know, sort of your more mainstream like your Fox News types. They're going to make anything look like it's just like completely out of control. And so, you know, like it, it, they aren't really acting in good faith in terms of like, you know, like, like wh- whether, whether if, if someone on TV does some violence, whether that is going to be like weaponized against the left. I mean, they're going to do that anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm torn about it. You know, it's, it seems like, it seems to me that like chaos in the streets, like ultimately helps reactionary politics mm-hmm. and, um, you know, black clad leftist protesters, <laughs> Antifa people, uh, don't have any real, uh, practical effects, like on the street. 
um, maybe maybe some slight times like they they like protected people during the Charlottesville um, protest and riot kind of thing. So that was um, that was beneficial for sure. Um, but it seems like the, the blowback um, and backlash uh, is is stronger than whatever like good they're they're actually doing. I, 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 I think that's right. I mean, I, I think certainly the stuff we saw at like the inauguration protest, for example, like in terms of like smashing Starbucks windows, I think that then kind of sets the stage for when Charlottesville comes around and there's perhaps a more justified need to like be kind of like, you know, with some sticks and body armor or what have you, uh, that then you've kind of already primed half the country to dismiss Antifa or say, you know, there's bad people on both sides. Mm-hmm. Um, have you, it, my sense is that the alt right has kind of left Twitter over the past year or so. Is it? Is yeah, that, so a lot of it have been kicked off. It. Um, the Richard Spencer still around, um, like as far as like prominent, like Nick Fuentes. They, there's still like a couple ones left. Uh, but but I do think in practice, like the kind of no platforming of people on various platforms uh, is very effective in terms of reducing their reach, uh, especially someone like Milo Yiannopoulos, whose like whole thing is like getting journalists outraged and getting people tweeting about him. Well, then when you kick him off and he's kind of confined that he's like on Facebook or he's on uh, Gab, like, you know, the, the, these are, which is, of course, kind of the alt-right Twitter. Yeah, Gab um, is it's kind of like an alternative Twitter that has been like taken, it wasn't a, it wasn't originally like for conservatives, but it was like kind of taken over for them because they never like delete posts or anything. Exactly. And, and, and so now it's kind of just become a hive for neo-Nazis. And like, frankly, Gab, like they post racist memes themselves on Twitter. Like there's not like, they, they aren't just like, Oh, like, you know, like we're just letting it happen. I mean, they clearly are taking a political stance as well. Um, and so like when you, when these people are shut to and pushed into like much tighter areas, it really just, uh, like they don't have as much reach, reach practically. And, and like they really fade both from, I think, mainstream relevance and from relevance on the right. So. Yeah, so, okay, so some prominent people, like Milo, were, were kicked off, but, like, I kind of remember from, like, you know, two years ago, uh, if you post something that mentioned certain words, like, you would get, like, the, the Pepe Frog people or the uh, outright, like, you know, you're a Jew, you should die people in the replies. Mm-hmm. I don't, that doesn't happen anymore. So were those people banned? Are they just, were they maybe not real yeah, to begin with? There were, there were definitely big purges. I mean, there was a point where they were purging everyone who had a Groiper avatar, and Groiper is, like, the evil version of Pepe the Frog. And so they, they were just, like, knocking out all those people. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I think Twitter has been more active as far as, like, kicking white nationalists off. It, admittedly, like, still there's a lot more to do. I mean, it's insane to me that Richard Spencer, for example, is still on Twitter. Um, so, yeah, that's where we're at. Um, let me ask you about one more um, unusual figure on the uh, emerging new right, and that's um, Jacob A. Wool. Yes. Do you have any? You know, do you have any thoughts on him? I find him fascinating. You know, yeah, Jacob Wool is, I think, like kind of the leader of these like young Twitter Trumpists who are like very like weird and just, just like come. They have like very strange backstories. Uh, like uh, my uh, my colleague Kelly Weil at the Daily Beast did a story on Jacob Wool's uh, background and like like weird like investor stuff, and you know he had this thing where he was like. You know, asking for like cute girls on, you know, on Instagram or Craigslist. Yeah. And then claimed to be running a modeling service or something, but it seemed like he just wanted pictures of women or to meet women. And, and, and and so these are these guys who kind of fall into a time, time honored tradition we've seen from people like Mike Cernovich or Jack Posobiec just ask like the, make like the dumbest statements you could imagine. And then people get riled up about them. And then that, that increases their, their presence. I mean, he's like just. Uh, just the, the like incredibly like I, I, ill-informed like it's just ideas that are really obviously dumb on their face, and then they're like, hmm, like triggered much. So 
yeah. He, he, and then I just recently learned that Jacob Wool has a dad who's also a prominent uh, kind of Twitter persona. So uh, yeah, there's kind of a whole uh, a whole expanded universe of that crew. Yeah, the dad, uh, his name was maybe Robert um, Wool, and yeah, I wasn't aware of him at first either. But then, if you click on his profile, he says like a, he's a Fox News contributor, which I think probably just means he's like appeared on Fox News at some point in his life. Um, uh, and maybe they run some kind of investment hedge fund together. But yeah, it's, it's very strange, but. He, I mean, the, the way I first found out about him was he, at least for a while, was almost always the first reply on a uh, President Trump tweet, and he would do like like a thread, and it usually wasn't exactly connected to what Trump was tweeting about, but it would be like the Trump train is coming through or something, and then he would do like five or six more, and he was really really good. I get, I don't know if he was like gaming the algorithms or if he's just like always ready to <laughs> tweet something whenever, you know, he gets, like, an alert whenever Trump is there. And then if you look at, I look at his, I don't follow him, like, I can't take that, but I look at his feed occasionally. And, yeah, it's just basically, you know, Trump, Trump is always, it's, like, pure Trump. Like, there doesn't seem to be a real connection to anything else, but, like, whatever Trump is doing is good. And he had one today that I retweeted that was, like, uh, he's happy to see, he's always happy to see, um, President Putin uh, dismantling the fake news in Russia. It's almost as good as when <laughs> President Trump dismantles the fake news in America. Um, yeah, so it's just like to- like these young guys who are just seem to have no actual ideology besides like the cult of personality um, attachment to Trump. Yeah, exactly. I mean, th- th- that's like a big like type on the internet uh, in terms of right wing internet is this kind of like no real attachment to like policies, but just sort of like whatever Trump says. It's like this rules we're making America great again, you know, or it's like, like with this Trump Putin thing, as you mentioned, it's sort of like, yeah, like Trump, like drag the press, like teaming up with our buddy Putin, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, do you have anything else you want to mention? Anything else you're, you've worked on recently or are working on currently? Uh, I'm sorry, you cut out there. Oh, do you have anything else uh, you want to mention that you've worked on recently or are working on right now? Yeah, I mean, so yeah, I, I'd say, you know, check, check me out on the Daily Beast and, uh, on Twitter at Will Summer and, uh, rightrichter.com, uh, will be off its hiatus soon. And so that, that's weekly roundups of all this, all this craziness. Okay. Well, thank you, um, for coming on and elucidating this strange world. And thank you for enduring <laughs> some of this strange world. I, I mean, you must take some, you must kind of enjoy, uh, watching YouTube. Yeah. I have weird talent. People and- uh, yeah, you know, I, I get kind of excited when there's when there's some some crazy new idea or like you know if people are feuding or whatever. So it's uh, you know it's a it's a it's a good outlet for me. Okay, well, thanks for I thank you for taking the time to to come on the show. Uh, thanks to all of our viewers and listeners. You can subscribe to Blogging Heads uh, on YouTube or on iTunes, or you can subscribe to this show, culturally determined in particular, on iTunes, or you could uh, leave us a review that helps other people find the content. Um, uh, so uh, thank you again, Will, and we'll see you again next time. Great. Thanks for having me. Before you go, a quick message from the suits at Blogging Heads TV. Blogging Heads will always be free for you to watch and listen to, and we don't even go the NPR route of guilting you into donating during Pledge Week. But we do have a small request. If you enjoy Blogging Heads programming, rate and review us on iTunes. The iTunes algorithm weighs positive reviews heavily, so taking a few minutes to rate and review us will help more people find out about our shows. Also, of course, we encourage you to subscribe to our Twitter and Facebook feeds. Thank you.